Hello, this is In the Back Room with Mr. Shank. And Mr. Woods. And today we're talking about Judaism and the Hebrew people. Yes. Oh, don't you get too far ahead of me, Mr. Shank, before oh, we you... begin. Oh, yes. Start yeah. out with our, our okay. lovely catchphrase that hopefully our viewers have gotten used to at this point, or, or listeners. Uh, if you're listening to the audio, I'm sorry, there's probably going to be visual references as this is our first, uh, first video podcast show. Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, but uh, anyway, Temende Calsa es Nesquire. Now we may begin. Yes. All right. So, early history of the Hebrews. Um, they got they started in a place northeast of Egypt. You know, in the last episode we were talking about Egypt. We're really just shifting our focus northeast to a land called Canaan. And this is the promised land, which we'll get to. But it's what do you think the square footage on that is? You need square mileage. I would hate to try to figure out <laughs> the square footage. I don't, you know, so, so I've actually kind of, I've thought about this before because I'm not entirely, obviously I, I don't, I'm not sure, but um, I want to say Israel is like, it's, it's one of the smaller countries in In... I, I'm willing to before I Google. All right, let's take bets before I Google this. Okay, because I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna say, and I have absolutely no conception of space right now. I am going to say, God, I don't know. Maybe like, ah, uh, maybe something like, uh, like. 300 square miles that seems small but i'm uh, you're talking israel you're talking canaan well no so i'm talking i'm talking canaan okay. i'm gonna start with israel and then and do some math here i'll say 500 square miles okay so oh oh we're not, even, we're not even in the right just israel alone's like eight thousand five hundred. <laughs> This note that we're not math teachers, right? Yeah. So, so finding the area is not our strong suit. Um, I wonder though. Let's see if there's a. Let's see if somebody's done the math on this. Square miles of Canaan, <laughs> Canaan, Ohio. Canaan, Ohio is thirty-three point two four square miles. Canton? No, 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 Canaan. Oh no, wait, no. This is no, this, okay. There is a there is a Canaan. Ohio. This is Canaan, Connecticut. Oh. It's right oh. next to North Canaan, Connecticut. There's a Canaan, Maine, Canaan, New Hampshire, New York. So there's Indiana. lots of promised lands. Right? <laughs> the promised land is everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you want it to be. <laughs> let's let me specify. Let's try Middle East. <laughs> try and be like, yes, Canaan's located in the, the central eastern part of Connecticut. All right, let's see. Nothing, nothing. nothing. Yeah, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that would be so. But you got to figure. So it's it's larger than Israel, but not a lot. It's like Israel five thousand square miles. Well, Israel was eighty five hundred. So I'm going to say probably oh, yeah, like sorry, twelve, maybe twelve thousand. Yeah, reverse. Yeah, maybe tw like twelve. I would I would guess. 
12,000. Dude, I said 300 to begin with. How much further off can I get? Like, <laughs> I was like, this is Price is Right. I'm, I'm, I'm up. I'm up on stage now. That's true. I was measuring based on like how far I am from Virginia it's and then how big I think Israel <laughs> is. I've yeah. been you all over. <laughs> yes, I missed the mark on that one, but uh, but yeah. So I would say I would say with that in mind, I think I think twelve thousand is okay. probably a fair estimate. But on the on the global stage, Canaan's small. It's um, very small. Yeah, you know. Let's uh, I, all right now. Here we go. I'm going to take Connecticut and see how big Connecticut is, and use Connecticut as an example. Um, Connecticut's what our second smallest state. Rhode Island, the smallest. Rhode Island's the smallest. Know that. I feel like Connecticut. I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Connecticut's like I don't know. What's the square mileage of Hawaii and the uh, the islands that we count as states? That is a good point. Mm. Oh, no. How did we get on this topic? All right. So Connecticut is smaller than Israel. Connecticut is 5,543 square miles. So like two and a half Connecticut's. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one. That's like one minutes. Four minutes to get to get that Canaan is the size of two Connecticut's. <laughs> uh, Vermont is is 9,000. So, so it's like one and a half Vermonts. One and a half Vermonts. <laughs> and that, I'm just basing that strictly off a number I don't even know is correct. So <laughs> I don't even. Vermont is roughly the size of Israel. It's a little bit bigger. <laughs> that's that's fair. Sorry, this yeah. is this is turning out wonderfully. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get back on track. <laughs> The area is also referred as so. Is it? It's Levant or Levant? Levant uh, right? Either, either is acceptable. Just like Leonidas and Leonidas, no. yeah, both are both are fine. No, I, I mean, I've I've heard it pronounced as Levant more than Levant. I've just always said Levant, but I also say like aunt instead of aunt. Yeah, I think I go Levant. But why is it called the Levant? I don't know. They're referred to as the Levantine peoples, the people of the Levant. And well, okay, so it might, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know what Levant translates to because that region is also referred to in Arabic as Al Shem. That's like ISIS is the Islamic state of Iraq and Al Shem, mm. um, not Syria, but it's basically the same yeah. general area. Um, I don't know. Now, see, now etymological origin of Levant. Which is the area of Western Asia? That was something that took a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that, like, the Middle East, we we always think of it as kind of a separate area. Yeah, it's that's Asia. We just yeah. don't, we just do not think of it that way. Uh, so Levant, there you go. Levant appears in the English language, fourteen ninety seven, um, means east or basically east of Italy. Um, from the French Levant rising, referring to the sun rising in the east. So it's just the east. <laughs> All, <laughs> All of that to get back to. Well, that's like that's like when they referred to it as uh, they used to um, refer to it as the Orient. Uh, like yeah. like the Far East was referred to as the Orient because mm. it's based on the orientation of a compass. That's east, therefore. 
Yeah. It's I mean, simple. I mean, it is very. It's. I thought it was going to be more complex. I'm a little bit yeah, let down. Too. I thought there's point. more religious <laughs> behind it, but if it's just East, it's just East. <laughs> well, of course, you know, the whole world has to center on the Mediterranean. And Europe, the, the, false con the false continent there. So. It is bizarre. Um, but there's the crossroads of trade, you know, being kind of on the eastern side of the Mediterranean or the Great Sea. And so they're going to have a lot of people rolling in and rolling out of uh, that area for sure. And I know we I know we mentioned this in our our Rome podcast, but it's worth noting that the Great Sea is probably what most people would have actually referred to the Mediterranean as, um, or the maybe even just the sea. It gets the name Mediterranean now because it's in the middle of the terrain, in the middle of the land, and the Romans called it Mara Nostrum or our sea because sea. Yep. why not? Right? <laughs> I guess our, they, nobody else. They did. Know. They did take it. So. Fair. There. So um, let's get into the meat of the Hebrews. So we know we spent like <laughs> seven minutes talking about where they're located. Yeah. Let's talk about the people and their beliefs and religion and so forth. Uh, Abraham, not to be confused with Lincoln, this is a different Abraham, is considered the father of the Jews slash the Hebrews, um, meaning that he basically founded this religion and uh, we look to him as starting it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and, and the story essentially is that like, uh, like well, Yahweh or God basically appears to Abraham, who's uh, at that point struggling to have a male heir. Um, well, so this is this is the divide between Islam and and Judaism. So he does have a child with Hagar, who is his wife's handmaid, technically. I think if I'm not mistaken um, at his wife's bidding because he can't conceive a child with his wife, uh, Sarah. And so he has a child with Hagar, which is Ishmael um, who will go on to be kind of like the, the founder of the peoples that will become the Muslims um, like the, the, those particular tribes. Um, and then, he does have a child with Sarah and, and brings us to um, to Isaac, um, who he was then asked to sacrifice. You know, so Yahweh asks him to sacrifice his son as a, um, uh, a motion of dedication to uh, to Yahweh himself, right? So it's almost like I have rewarded you with a son and your descendants will number the stars. Now show your devotion to me by sacrificing the only son that I gave you. Uh, and Abraham is prepared to do this and the angel intervenes at the last moment and provides him with a, yeah, a ram stuck in the, in the thorns in a thicket nearby to be sacrificed in Isaac's stead. Poor Ram. Poor Ram. Yes. Yeah. He just, I mean, the guy was just trying to get to those berries, got his horn hooked and sacrifice. I, I've, I think we talked about this before, but I've heard like different animals for it. But I think Ram is probably the most noted one. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard um, maybe sheep, um, Ram. And there was another one too. I don't want to say a goat, but maybe. Well, and, and right there, you're, you're basically exemplifying the biggest problem with understanding anything here is that 
everything that we know is is primarily from the Old Testament, which is recorded some several hundred years after, well, thousands of years after the story of Abraham would have been taking place, but hundreds of years after the others. And so, so you know, how much of that goes from its original form to some type of he said, she said, this is the story. It's become legend now, and we record it as legend. Um, so it's, it's the same problem you run into with, with a lot of the different uh, the different faiths through the world. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, nobody's right walking around taking notes at the time. And I think Abraham and Sarah, like I know they were old, but weren't they in their like 90s? Yeah. They were like ridiculously yeah. old. Well, I mean, and everybody in the Old Testament lives to be into their, I mean, well, I shouldn't say everybody. Everybody in the first like half of the Old Testament, essentially. Uh, like the first, the first like name. Genesis or so, like everybody lives to be into their hundreds, like three and four hundred years old. They were going by um, lunar years though, right? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the understanding at least. But even then, you've got to think yeah. like, that's the lunar lunar years like twelve to one, eleven yeah. to one, something like that. So even then, if you're living to be three hundred, like even back you know back then, when the average age is not that old. No, but and that's I think that's a I don't even know that that's actually a confirmed that yeah. So that's how we explain it is they were going by lunar years. Uh, that does fit for it shaves man. some years off, but like you said, not that many. Yeah, yeah, not when some of them lived. I, I forget the. I want to say it was like Enoch was the oldest person. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to Google it. Um, While you do that, I'll talk about, you already talked about the promise and the covenant with Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew um, version of, Hebrew name for God. Um, my friend Mark says, I guess it depends on like what branch of uh, Judaism you are. But he was like, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't call him Yahweh, you know, we just call him God. Right. Uh, well, and that's, I think that has a lot more to do with just like Judaism is one of the more, um, the word I'm looking for, like, um, modernized of the Abrahamic faiths, like, it's like 75 to 80% of most Jews are, are some form of secularized. Like they, they, they're more like, um, cultural, Jew than than actually religious, but I, I do know that the most of the, most of the time they'll say the they'll say the word God, but to, to write it out on something that can be destroyed. So like if you were to ask them to write it on a piece of paper, they won't actually write the word God. Uh, they would write like the G and then like an asterisk in the D, um, because to write the the name of God on something that can be destroyed is uh, unacceptable. Yeah, uh, Methuselah was the. Uh, oldest person about 989 or 87 something yeah and i actually did know that because did you ever, was it you that told me about the show altered carbon I I you told you about, me about it maybe i told you about that <laughs> yeah, i still haven't finished that but um right the whole idea of like uploading your unis to clones of yourself basically they refer Please. to the people that do that as meths uh, as a reference back to Methuselah, who lived to be nine hundred and some years old, I, re- I remember that in like the second episode of the show, mm-hmm. and I stuck until I just forgot it a I minute ago. That, yeah, yeah, it's it's very early on in the, yeah. in the show. Well, what makes the Hebrews so important and so unique is they're the first people to accept only one God. And this is what we consider monotheism. You have one God that controls the entire universe. You know, 
in polytheism, you have multiple gods doing, you know, one, not say one task, but they're, you have a god of fire, a, a god of war, a god of strength, whatever the god is, that's their particular skill set. Mm -hmm. But now you have this idea that God doesn't just reside over. And before they thought that God was like the Hebrew God, but like localized to the Canaan, mm -hmm. right? Like he's yeah. the God of Canaan. Well, I think, area. I think Yahweh, Yahweh is one of several gods in that region that was, mm -hmm. that was locally worshiped. And then it kind of became asserted, you know, I'm, I'm the, the one God, um, <laughs> like the one that you and what well, and, and it's you know i mean even if you look at like the construction of the ten commandments it's it's not a a, a statement that says there are no other gods mm -hmm. uh, it's a statement that says you shall put no other gods before me or i'm the yeah. most important one to focus on um yeah. so so it's almost an acknowledgement of its time that yes we, we understand that there's other gods that people worship but worship me right exactly yeah um so abraham's grandson jacob also um also known as israel had mm -hmm. 12 sons and that's when we were talking about israel where they get the name from mm -hmm. the basis for the 12 tribes of israel from whom all jewish yeah, are descended from uh, yeah i think i think they they actually um in hebrew they they um they differentiate between the the Israel of the Bible and Israel as the homeland as um I know the the land at least the, the territory of Israel is called Eretz Yitzreel and that's the land of Israel. So when they're referring to what is basically what is today the country of Israel, uh they refer to that as either Zion, which is mm. is quite popular. Um yeah. But or or Eretz Yitzreel is the um, I don't know if that's actually Hebrew. Um, I think it might be, but uh, that was from a I read a book by a guy named Ari Shavit, who's a he's a journalist. But the the book was called My Promised Land, um, where he like returned to Israel and was talking about all the issues there today, the current issues and how it plays into the past. It was very good. It's probably somewhere in my in my vast library behind me. <laughs> No, I'm sure it's in one of the boxes over there somewhere. Library of Alexandria. In, it really it feels like it's basin. If only. Uh, the next portion we'll talk about is the migration. Uh, these <clears throat> uh, Hebrews just throughout their history are going to migrate from different portions of the world for different reasons. But their original migration here was from Canaan. So they're living in Canaan and, you know, God or Yahweh and Hebrew people have this covenant together and they're prospering for a while. I think it's like 150 years that they're mm. doing pretty well there in Canaan, but uh, drought ends up forcing them to move to this place called Egypt, which we talked about in the last episode because Egypt was thriving. Egypt was essentially bumping. And so they're initially accepted there but over time the hebrews enslaved were enslaved by the egyptians and i think for like a couple generations they were enslaved it wasn't just oh, yeah. Like yeah one generation or so i think it was like i want to say like 400 years that's what popped so, in my head so i'm going to hit you with i'm going to hit you with a timeline here from my from my book that you can't see <laughs> movie magic all right um so <laughs> so so abraham um so and i and this this uh 
Let me, I'm going to find a way to cite this, but I don't really know that I can. It's Rose Publishing Company is the only thing I know for a fact. Um, so, so according to to this, you're looking at uh, like biblical Abraham is like 2100 BC, roughly almost 2200 BC. Um, so there's this this long period uh, there, and then when you you have Joseph, who's mentioned here, and that's the same Joseph of the like the story of like the Technicolor dream coat, uh, the the coat of dreams and and such. Um, so that Joseph is like 1900 BC. He becomes a, an official in Egypt, and if you're familiar with that story, it's you know there, there's it's actually quite interesting. But so he becomes an official uh, in Egypt, and that's where the sort of outcomes from for the Hebrew people who are suffering in Canaan. It's like oh well, okay, so Joseph is this he's he's a well-respected official in the Egyptian government, uh, and the Egyptian government has agreed to have us here, um, and so they kind of move my migrate to to Egypt, and this would have been. Um, you know, they, if you're if you're thinking timeline wise, and they're coming in, you know, somewhere in that 1800s period, uh, 1900s period BC, uh, that is right at about the fall of the Middle Kingdom of Egypt, roughly. Um, so it's sort of around the Hyksos invasion. So then you end up with the slavery period in Egypt, somewhere at the tail end of like 1600 BC. Um, and that lasts for, so according to this, it, so this is dates uncertain basically, but they, they have the, um, so Moses is a 120 years old. Um, so they, now, so, so essentially based on this, at least the, the period of slavery in Egypt is like 140 years roughly. Um, but in, in lunar years, you're looking at you know, several, several hundred years. So that could be the, the distinction that's made there. And I actually looked, knowing that we were coming up on this episode, I looked into this a little bit um, because as we'll get to, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we get there. I'm not going to <laughs> jump too far ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so, so the, the purpose of going to Egypt, and I mean, this world is connected anyway. We, we shouldn't make any um, assumptions that it's like, traveling to a completely foreign land um they would have been traded and interacting and mm. you know the egyptians conquered that land and were conquered by people from that land so that's you know they there was a trade with them all of that so there's a relationship between the middle east and and uh you know what would be mesopotamia region and egypt um they're all very interconnected so the fact that they would see egypt as an option uh, especially knowing somebody in the government is not at all out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So eventually, you know, they're in captivity, they're enslaved, and somebody they may be familiar with is the name of Moses. He was the man who would lead the Hebrews out of Egypt and back to the promised land. Um, maybe you've seen... Uh, What's the movie? Prince of not Prince of Egypt. Yeah, Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. The you know the Disney one where he essentially is, you know, thrown down a river in a basket at an early age so he could be saved. It's all the, I think like everyone between two and younger were all being executed mm -hmm. in the Hebrews and it floated on down the river and the royal family picked it up and raised with Ramses mm -hmm. if. 
Ramsey's was the fair at the time. Well, and that's what I was actually about to talk about. So I, I, um, that I, that I so well restrained myself. <laughs> uh, so, so I actually looked into this because anytime I had ever seen, and, and this timeline is another example, anytime you ever see the, the kind of the timeline of the Exodus laid over top of a timeline of Egypt, um, it doesn't quite line up that Ramesses would have been the Pharaoh at that time. It just doesn't quite match. Um, I was reading an article from, I think it was Encyclopedia Britannica, actually. Um, and they were talking about how that that had not necessarily been adjusted for, it was, it was something like a, like a, like the 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 Hebrews measured in generations, but that had not been adjusted for what we consider a generation to what they would have considered a generation. So their generation of like twenty five years, we tend to think of it as a longer period. So when you make the adjustment for that, it puts Ramses right there. So mm. it's entirely possible. Like and and then if you look at like just the, the concept of treatment, like his father Seti was pretty harsh to. Um, to the Hebrews in general, but to, to all of Egypt. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a very stern ruler. And then that translates pretty well into the time period that Ramses would rule. So, uh, and, and of course the war Ramses has with, um, with the Hittite kingdoms, it all just kind of did seem to make more sense to me once I started. I'm, I'm fairly certain that was Encyclopedia Britannica that I, yeah, I so more than likely one. Moses was, um, living and ruling at the time of Ramses. Wait, mm -hmm. sorry, I have that backwards. Well, and it's sort of accurate, right? If he was yeah. in fact raised in the in the royal house. Although I think the the concept that Prince of Egypt plays with them being brothers, I, th I think that was I, th I think he was like supposed to have been found by the sister maybe and and That's raised it, in the house. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, I, haven't, I haven't read through that in a long time, but I think it was the sister. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, so he's born to the royal family, eventually discovers his true heritage, that he is a Hebrew. And um, I don't know if he actually does, I don't know if it's an embellishment of that, that he kills a guard and has to flee, and he leaves you know, Egypt, and that's when he kind of discovers who he is, and he comes back, and he's going to lead the Hebrew people out of slavery, and they've been enslaved for generations and generations, and this is known as the Exodus. Think of it like a giant portion, uh, well, not giant portion at all, like a big, massive amount of people leaving an area all at once. Mm -hmm. That's like what I envision like an Exodus. Like you could say like schools when the bell rings at the end of the day, that's an Exodus. Absolutely. You know? So, um, and this is where the 10 plagues come in. This is where like Passover comes in. And um, eventually... Moses is able to convince Ramses to let his people go. And whether or not he actually said that, I don't know, but that's right. kind of played up by Hollywood and so forth. Um, and Ramses, if the plagues were all those 10 plagues, the last one would have been firstborn son is kills over, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, Ramses lets him go, but then he kind of has like a change of heart and chases Ramses. Ramses chases the Hebrews down, and they're not at the Red Sea. They're, do you remember what sea it was? It's it's like an estuary of the Red Sea. It's like yeah. um, I forget what that's 
uh, this like, narrow portion that that cuts between the Sinai and the Arabian Peninsula. Yeah, um, and but I can't think of the name of it. The story is that he, you know, raises the Red Sea. Even though we know it's not the Red Sea, the Hebrews go through. You know, we're talking thousands of Hebrews, and they're all through. And then once they're all through, Ramses and well, probably just the his soldiers and so forth are taking this pathway between, you know, raised water on each side and boom, it's let down by Moses with the aid of Yahweh to kind of showcase the power. Mm. And, and then they take their journey after that, the Hebrews back to Canaan, but the, the journey isn't just a, you know, a couple hundred miles and you're there. They kind of go down the Sinai peninsula and they're trapped in the desert for 40 years but um, during this time, during the early maybe days, um, weeks, eventually they reach whatever it is, Mount Sinai. I don't know what point they reach Mount Sinai, but Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai and gets the Jews' sacred code, which is the Ten Commandments. So he's up there for 40 days, Moses is, and 40 nights, and he comes down with two tablets written on but he's up there no communication they're not like texting moses saying you know hey uh you're gonna be down here any moment when, when are you getting back <laughs> and so he comes down and he sees that all these you know hebrews who were freed by yahweh all these you know the the plagues what the locust and the the water turning into blood the first all these different crazy plagues that came about and that got them out of slavery they went and they started worshiping a golden calf. They melted down all the gold they could kind of gather from people, melted it down and started worshiping a golden calf. And Moses saw this and was like, are you kidding me? And just, I, I think he threw, well, the story has it that he either threw one or both down and they broke. Mm. I think one at least broke. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd be pretty upset too. Yeah. If you went through all that agony and led people out. You literally, if the story's true, you move the C, it's split it in two. <laughs> Obviously, Yahweh is on your side. Like, wait more. Wait as long as you need to wait. Yeah. Um, but that's just the renewal of the covenant with mm. Abraham. So it's like the second covenant, uh, this sacred code. So the first covenant was when Abraham and Yahweh agreed that, uh, hey, if you move the Hebrew people to Canaan, you'll prosper and your descendants will number the stars. But the second one is kind of renewing that uh, covenant mm -hmm. by going back to Canaan and taking these Ten Commandments to guide the Hebrew people. And just as an aside, um, I remember watching this documentary several years ago now, and I've, I've been very unsuccessful in finding the one that I watched. Um, but there are there are others that that I've seen, and there's uh, there's actually a book called Parting the Sea. I don't remember who wrote it, um, but the it, it's all based off of the fact that this and all the plagues supposedly could be explained geologically uh, or with volcanology based on the eruption of Santorini uh, in Greece. So that you know things like the the shifting of the seas could be associated with that um the, the disruption of the plates leading to um a, a 
earth gas leaking, like methane gas is leaking, uh, which could lead to, you know, the death of the firstborn child. Because in Egyptian culture, um, your your firstborn child uh, slept like as close to the floor as possible. Uh, and then the elder children were usually suspended in like hammocks, but the firstborn child had an actual bed, uh, like right up against the floor. So being the lowest to, uh, to the ground, that gas, if it was in fact leaking, would have you know suffocated anything low on the ground. Um, so like the firstborn children. Um, but there's there were several others like the the you know the volcanic eruption would have you know the fire falling from the sky and having you know um, like animals disrupted so like the toads coming out of the sea the waters turning red like blood the the argument is that could have all been explained you know geologically and just happened to fit this time period. Yeah, I remember that documentary. But this is like you're talking like 15 plus. I was years. gonna say that's that's it's a lot. I think. I think I might have still been in high school. Yeah. I, I remember I being really years good ago, and right. just like having a nice perspective, a different perspective mm -hmm. like that. And like you, like you said, making it all geological. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been like 15 years. <laughs> yeah, that's probably pretty close. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to still continue to continue my quest to find it. But uh, I, I'll find the, there's a book that I know was written about that too. Yeah. But eventually... Moses, um, you know, they he never actually gets to the promised land, but they, right. the Hebrews, actually do. Mm -hmm. And there's basically these huge 12 tribes, um, Judah being like the largest one. That's where we get Judaism from. Mm -hmm. And they're going back to Canaan. But this is what I tell my students that they've been gone for hundreds of years. Right. And it, mm -hmm. to them, Canaan is the promised land. But just because it's the promised land to them doesn't mean that other people won't want to live there. And it's not like they came back and they said, all right, well, you know, it's completely empty. No one's living here anymore. We don't have to fight. Like you're, no, there are people living there. You know, Philistines being one of the main ones, you're going to have to fight them. You're going to have to um, get the promised land back by force. They're not, you're not mm -hmm. going to say, hey, can you, can you politely leave? <laughs> um, Yahweh said this is the promised land for us forever, and there's no expiration date on this. So can you just exit? Can you do an exodus? You know, so yeah. it, it's not going to work. They're going to have to fight. So, um, and that's what Saul, the, fir the first uh, king, isn't he's more known for like, I won't say combat king, but um, it's kind of a nice alliteration. Combat. Yeah, it is a nice alliteration. I don't know if I've ever heard that, but yeah. Yeah. And so it's worth noting, like this is a good chunk of time later too. Like there's this whole period of like the rule of the tribes and the judges and the, the combat that that's going on. And then you do, you kind of have this starting to be organized and that that's where um, you do have Saul who's, who starts like the United Kingdom of, of Israel against the, the kind of identified states of um, Canaanite tribes like the Philistines. Um, but yeah, so Saul's, yeah, like you said, the, the combat king, the, the one who kind of unites um, the different tribes of, of uh, Israel together. And then um, he falls out of favor um, with, with Yahweh. And that's where you have uh, David, the David and Goliath story, which is essentially how David 
proves his value as a uh, as a leader, uh, and then will will be anointed king of the Hebrews after. How tall was Goliath? Yeah, so like the name itself, we associate with like huge monstrosity. Yeah, like um, I mean. I think I, I recall reading somewhere about like the, there's like evidence that the you know the the Philistines themselves were just like a like a warrior group of people, so they're they're naturally larger. They kind of select themselves for that, so to speak. Um, but then you know Goliath is supposed to be the biggest of of all of them. So I mean, if we're going to be kind of like reasonable in in terms of i mean he's not a 12 foot tall dude walking around but but i, I would say like in this time period average height is probably something like i don't even know what it is today i feel like it's like five eight or five nine today are you talking world, to the world or are you talking yeah about? i'm talking worldwide i feel yeah like right that i think the u.s is like five ten five eleven yeah. So, so so let's even work from that let's say like five let's say like five eleven just because I want to feel at least uh, slightly above average. Uh, so let's say like like five eleven is is the average height. Um, so David's young, uh, so he's might, probably not even that, right? You're probably looking at a guy who's like five six, five seven. Uh, Goliath is maybe this maybe he's like six eight, right? So I mean he's standing a head taller easily, mm-hmm. um, and and that's enough to intimidate anybody if you've never run into somebody that's just just bigger stronger and taller than you i mean that's if you're bigger stronger and taller than your contemporaries that's that's you're going to have that almost that bully factor to begin with yeah let's see what the uh see what the internet has to say about goliath size now Uh, now i'm interested up to eight feet tall (laughs) (laughs) well i heard (laughs) seriously though might be. Who knows? <laughs> Could be twelve feet tall for all we know. Yeah, but six eight probably makes the most sense, though. I mean, just uh, you know, that's just in comparison to if we if we put David to be, you know, that height. But I mean, he is supposed to be a giant, and that's not entirely out of possibility, right? Because we we've had real people who were like gigantic. I think yeah. I was the world's tallest man. Something like, like upwards of like nine feet or something. I want to say, yeah, might be, might be more than that. I don't know. So, so this puts um, Goliath over nine and a half feet tall, (laughs) um, because he's described as six cubits and a span. A cubit is eighteen inches, and a span is nine. So six, eighteen inch plus nine. Um, so that's pretty, uh, yeah, so that's pretty, normal. pretty, pretty large fellow there. Uh, maybe I you could recruit him eight. for the, uh, for the, for the KGMS basketball team this season. Got to throw it up there. <laughs> but this is, this is where we get like, you know, in, in sporting events and so forth, they kind of like, you have commentators say like, it's a David versus Goliath matchup, mm-hmm. meaning like a stronger, better um opponent that's supposed to win and the other one which would be goliath and then the other one being the david being the one that is smaller maybe weaker um doesn't have a much of a chance to win so mm-hmm. the one uh, everyone's betting against you know yeah, exactly yeah yeah it's the underdog mm, yeah it's the big it's like the original underdog story 
and uh, moving on from David. And he was, I mean, not only that, but he was like a good administrative king. Mm -hmm. Something else. What else did he do? Uh, I think he got into some trouble with the women. Isn't that how he fell out of favor? I think so. Um, yeah. I could and be wrong. Came Solomon. And Solomon was known as the, the wise king. He was... I always kind of bring up the story with the the baby and the two moms. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where the one mom, they both have boys. Um, they're like, I think they're neighbors and we'll say one year old. And basically look, they look the same. And the one mom, the son dies and she's devastated and she steals her neighbor's son. It's like, oh, well, my son died. I'm going to steal this one. Mm -hmm. Well, Obviously, they both want the baby. The mom, the original mom, actually wants it because it's her baby. And they take it to Solomon. And at this time, kind of your king is kind of your, I guess, judge, jury, and executioner. And you have to think what you would do in this time. You know, how would you solve this problem? How would you, they don't, you're not going to do a, like a Mari Povich show here where you're the father. Or you're yeah, the there's no DNA testing. There's no DNA test. So, you know, you can, a lot of kids say, well, why don't I just ask her? Well, the, the one lady's lying, right? And right. maybe she's a good liar. And you don't really know. And you don't want to just say, oh, okay, I'll just give it to you. Yeah, I mean, you can't base it on, you know, you can't even base it on evidence of, oh, well, this 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 other person said, you know, she did take her baby. Well, you know, like how how well can you trust the the common people? You know, like I mean, not not that you shouldn't. And I'm not I'm not advocating for authoritarianism, but I'm saying <laughs> like, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, was this like like early Iron Age. Um, peasants in in the middle east like how well do you trust them to look out for the well-being of their neighbor every time yeah so and, and you couldn't say well, look the baby looks like me you know they might both have they, they already did look like each other you know the babies um but what solomon does is that he decides to okay well you'll both get a half half of the baby will go to one more the other half We'll go to the other. Now, I don't believe Solomon was obviously going to do this. I'm going to cut the baby in half because you don't know. If you cut a baby in half, the baby will not survive. So what he determined is that who the mom, the real mom, would say, no, 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 don't hurt my baby. Let her have it. They'd rather see their own child in another person's arms and raise them than have their baby die. And that's when that emotion came out mm -hmm. and Solomon was able to pinpoint what or who was the real mother. Um, and just one like, I mean, he has more stories than that. But that's always one that always resonated me with. It's just like the, you know, the wisdom that he had. And mm -hmm. he obviously will build, even though there was a temple there, he'll make it much grander in scale. Uh, Solomon's temple. And this is where, the Ark of the Covenant hmm. is held. And inside that Ark, this is where you have the Ten Commandments, where, you know, the Word of Yahweh, the Word of God, is housed in this golden container called the Ark of the Covenant inside this luxurious, uh, fortified temple. If you want to 
take how that temple goes through its ups and downs, Mr. Woods. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it, it, um, it certainly is that. So actually, I, th I believe, that according to tradition, there's there's a little bit of that uh, temple remaining today in, in Israel. Um, so like uh, like Mr. Shank was saying, this is not it's not the um, the first incarnation of that temple. Um, there was a temple standing in that area beforehand. Um, so it's not entirely um unreasonable that you're going to construct a new temple there. And it's not unlikely at all that, um, you know, that Solomon would have done this as, as a housing location for, you know, what, what is essentially at this point, the most sacred artifacts for the Hebrew people, right? The, like, like the word of, of God inscribed in stone, um, or, you know, essentially what's, what's left of it. Um, and so this is, you're going to want a place to, to house this and, and of course you're going to build this, uh, this as grand a temple as you can get now so this temple um, it's not going to well Jer Jerusalem itself has some rough years um, throughout history it's sacked uh, sacked several times um, but the 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 particular temple um, that is constructed by Solomon is destroyed in the sixth century BC. Um, I believe so anyway. Um, and, and it depends on the, I guess it depends on your understanding of what happened. So there's some, some stories that say that the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, smuggled away, uh, before this, this kind of temple is destroyed. There's other stories that say, you know, uh, perhaps the, the Ark of the Covenant was captured as the temple was destroyed and others that, you know, maybe it was just completely left in the wreckage. But that's sort of the, one of the, I wouldn't say the first time Jerusalem was attacked because I do believe that there's, um, I do believe, I mean, the city was there before David made it the capital of the Hebrew people. So it probably underwent warfare at some other point in history. But but anyway, circling back to this, the, when the temple is actually um, destroyed uh, in, the, in, that, uh, in the 500s, uh, that's by Nebuchadnezzar uh, II, who is the, the king of the Neo-Babylonians, Chaldeans. 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 We just we just start to we we'll just we should just we should invent our own names for, for <laughs> some of these. I was, like, I was teaching teaching AP history uh, yesterday, and like this one Native American's chief name comes up, and the kids are like, "How do you pronounce it?" I was like, "I'm not going to do him the dishonor of me butchering his name. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Um, I can say Wingapo." Uh, and, uh, that's about the extent of my, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think that's actually in Pocahontas. I think, I think Wingapo is, uh, my, my wife pointed that out whenever oh, we started really? talking. Yeah. I think, I think that's like when she says hello to grandmother Willow, she says like Wingapo. <laughs> that's, that's, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering how much of his, his understanding is legit and how much of it's based off Disney now. Off I'm starting Disney, to question because, yeah. uh, you know. It's the, the, the Disney. biological similarities aren't there. So yeah. no, <laughs> and especially when he calls you out after the, 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 the illustration of, is that, is that your, is that your great, great grandfather or something like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I forgot we had this. Um, they kind of oh, yeah. saw David and Saul a bit <laughs> more helpful, but um, take it from the top. <laughs> yeah, Saul. Just a quick recap: Saul, the first king of Israel, famous for pushing the Philistines out of key areas. And we have David. David united the tribes of Israel together, made the city of Jerusalem their capital. Solomon, famous for the creation of Jerusalem's first temple, like we talked about, Solomon's temple, where the Ark of the Covenant is inside. And he's known for being fair, just, wise, all of the above. Mm. Uh, the end of the Hebrew kingdom. Yeah, it seems like we just tar started talking about the beginning of the Hebrew and kingdom. And now it's the end. <laughs> yes. Of course, all this is a good chunk of time, too. Uh, yeah. Over a thousand years. Is, yeah, it's uh, casual thousand. Yeah. Disagreements broke out between the tribes resulting in this division. You've got 10 northern tribes uh, known as Israel, and you've got two southern tribes known as Judah. So, you know, and that division actually, like, that division actually kind of sticks through even, you know, post Hebrew kingdom history. There's, there's like a clear distinction between the two regions, even, you know, in the time of Roman occupation, Roman, the Romans referred to all of it as Judea. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there was kind of this, this um, mindset that the, the people from the Northern half of this, like up in the regions of Galilee, they were more like, um, uh, like, like, uh, like shepherds or, or like um, like hill folk type of <laughs> type of thing, and then the further south you got, uh, the closer to the Dead Sea you got, and the closer to Egypt really that you got, um, the more um, cosmopolitan it became, like the more um, uh, interconnected and global the cities. I mean, that's where Jerusalem is. That's where some of these larger uh, cities are. Uh, even even like older larger cities um, are located in this region so you get the kind of um, kind of more urban feeling the further south you go mm -hmm. and eventually they're going to be attacked by the Assyrians they'll be forced to pay tribute both of these uh, Israel and uh, Judah it's also interesting too that like almost like every religion they eventually they're gonna split in some way and mm -hmm. typically it's like something I'll say something minor, but like it's something that seems, at least from an outside perspective, like seems trivial. Yeah. But I guess, you know, I'm not inundated into it, so I don't know. And as right. you said before, um, eventually they're going to be overtaken by the Chaldean king Nebuchadnezzar II, which we will talk about him in the next episode when we talk about Mesopotamia. Hmm. But they'll be enslaved again. So the Hebrews have really had it pretty harsh here. You know, they're either being enslaved or they're fighting for their land, they're fighting for whatever, but they just seem to can't catch a break. Mm -hmm. And they'll be enslaved in the city of Babylon. This will be known as the exile or the Babylonian captivity. I don't I think they're there like 100 years, maybe, I think. They're not there as long as they were in Egypt. No, but. no, no. But, but it's, it's. I mean, it's long enough that people have basically given up on. <laughs> I mean, that's that was that kind of sort of became the, and, and, you know, that almost kind of carries through, like the mentality of the Hebrews that it's almost like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to throw out there that it's like a victimization complex, but like, even when you look at, cause that, that would be awful to slip, to put it yeah. there. Uh, that's going to be the part of this video that gets clipped and shared. But, 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 but I mean, when you, 
when you think about like take take uh, the events surrounding the Holocaust, for example, like when that process started. There's there's newspaper articles you can find from from Jewish magazines in Germany, in like the late 30s, uh, as rights are being restricted for Jewish people in Germany, and people are starting to flee Germany. And there's 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 Jewish, basically journalists, uh, writing essentially op eds going, well, you know, it's bad, but it's not that bad. You know, we'll be okay. Uh, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to be. You know, we don't have to worry, you know, sure, there's restrictions, but, you know, Germany's recovering, so we'll make it through this. And clearly from the get go, we know now, like, like this, like Hitler's plan was never to, it was get the Jewish people out. Yeah. You know, however you got to do it, move them out. That doesn't work off them. I mean, it was never going to be a, a situation of compromise. Um, and we know, of course, we, we have a different perspective, right? We're looking back on this and can know that looking at the story, but, and I'm sure it was much different to be living, you know, in a, as a Jewish person living in, in you know, 1930s Europe, but that sort of mentality of, well, we can't do anything about it. So we just kind of have, well, let's just kind of carry on. Um, you, you kind of, you see that during the period of Egypt, because the Hebrew people are very resistant to this idea of, you know, we're going to, what do you mean? We're going to you know, leave uh, Egypt, we're, you know, we're this, this is our status quo. We're stuck here, and kind of you see that same thing. There's, there's, there are Jewish elders that do not want to leave the the period of captivity in Babylon. I mean, some some do once they're liberated. They, you have like uh, Zerubbabel, the future king of, of the Hebrew people. Like he he will lead people back or, or start leading them back to Canaan, but not everybody goes. Some choose to stay, and it's kind of that same. At least for me, like the through line there is is kind of that. Well, that we can't change the situation we've been handed. We just have to try and make the best of it. Yeah, yeah. On that uh, journey um, to Babylon, uh, and I think even there too as well, mm -hmm. that the rabbis are going to write down the the Hebrew history because I think they kind of realize that, yeah, like you said, the idea of Canaan is. Um, it's I, I kind of think of it like um the ragnarok movie i think it is it's, um and it, the the people it's like not a place it's a people mm, and that's yes. kind of what i think of with the hebrews i like guess you don't have to be in one location and that's kind of they'll have that uh, diaspora kind of throughout their entire history at different points but they wrote down you know their their Hebrew history on this Jewish sacred text is known as the Torah. And this is kind of, you know, not all, but like think of like the old Testament, if that helps you. And eventually the Chaldeans will be overthrown by the Persians. Another people we will talk about in the next episode and the Persian King Cyrus, the great, he's like Cyrus, the savior, uh, in the old Testament, you know, there's a lot of good things written about him because yeah, he's very popular. I, yeah. I mean, rightfully so it's a kind of, you know, what it was really interesting when I was listening to Mike Tyson and Joe Rogan, Mike Tyson is huge into ancient history since he was 15 and he was really? talking about Cyrus the great. And he was just saying like, how crazy is it that, you know, he wanted to have like basically freedom of religion. You know, he wanted, um, and freed these, um, these Hebrews and mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I just was, I didn't think that Mike Tyson would know all that information. All, yeah, of all the people, you know, even he said that he wanted to study the the fight, like the the great leaders and so forth, and like mm-hmm. if he could pick up anything. He said he learned so much and made him a better fighter. Um, so I mean, there's there's ways that history can help us that we don't understand or we do understand, but it's definitely useful. Well, I always find that with the Persians, you know, even more interesting because the Persians really were, for most of their history, a very like um, very ahead of their time group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, or you know, you can look at it and say and find bad things. You can do that anywhere, but you know, when you when you take into the big things, like as far as technological and um, and like government organizational uh, advances, uh, they're ahead of the game. Uh, establishing a currency. You know, an infrastructure. You, you tack freedom of religion onto that, uh, and you take take Cyrus just as as kind of the example of a guy who literally pulls himself up from nothing to build this empire. You know what I mean? Like he he did not inherit that empire, and so it's he he's a very interesting um, a very interesting figure for that. And you know, like you said, as he's as he's going through conquering people, you know, he's he he takes out the the chaldeans or the chaldeans and then you know he sees the, the enslavement of the hebrews and there's not slavery in the persian empire so he's not going to take them on as slaves and so you know if you don't want if you don't want to be here go home yeah you know you're 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 free at this point i, I do your thing you know like that to, to, to you imagine the hebrews of, of all people like they've they've basically been fighting their entire lives for for uh, essentially, you know, legitimization that they even exist as a separate people, let alone a homeland, let alone freedom on top of all of that. And this guy just shows up. What do you mean you're not free? Yeah, go, go home. Like, you know, like yeah, that mindset. Way, just, way ahead yeah. of time. Uh, and to your point with the, the Torah. So the Torah is the, uh, the, the initial five books. So this is uh, essentially it's, it's, you know, the, the bulk history of the, the Hebrew people from, from creation to, um, you know, sort of laying down, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say law codes, guidelines, moral codes, um, because the, you know, the actual law comes later. Um, so this is five books. Um, and you know, that's how it's divided chapters. You could say, but you're still, you know, of, of a, of an average Bible, you're probably looking at 300 pages of, of the the text there that makes up this this section um that's still i mean it's called the mosaic text it's the the, his, the story of moses essentially among other things but um the text themselves this is the bulk i mean there's a lot more there's 38 39 books in the old testament itself so these first five are considered the most important though, of, of all of them. So there's like the, the, the Torah, I think there's um, the, the Novinium and Ketuvium are the other probably pronouncing that wrong, but they're the other two like sections of books. Uh, it's like teachings and I don't remember what the other one translates to. One's the teachings, but something like that. <laughs> now I have to Google it. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? I'm getting rusty, man. That happens. Um, and then I guess no, I was wrong. It wasn't teachings. Oh yeah, no, the Torah is teachings. Uh, the Nevium is prophets, and Ketuvium is writings. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
but that's sure. like the three <laughs> three chunks of it. Anyway, way more than you need to know. <laughs> that's what this is for. That's... I mean, we did we did have the first however many minutes discussing the square mileage of that's random true. U.S. states in Canaan. <laughs> <laughs> um and then eventually the jews are going to become scattered uh throughout you know into this day the world most of the jews on this planet live in you know israel and you know canaan essentially mm. I, I think the united states has like the second highest yeah, population. I was say, the united states has yeah. the second most yeah um i want to say i don't know the third off the top of my head but it's somewhere like I want to say South America, but I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle in how this fits into like later history, just very briefly with the concept of Zionism, which yeah. is not a part of this. And and if we continue this show the way I'd like to, at some point we'll get there. Uh, but this is a long ways down the road, I guess. Um, so like as you know, the this this diaspora is is basically occurring some somewhere in like the 900s, uh, 800s. Um, uh, BC. And so then beyond that, the, the Hebrew people don't even actually fully conglomerate into even mediocre sized groups of people for ever. Uh, they do scatter throughout Europe. Um, and France is actually one of the, the early kind of Zionist efforts. You have something called the, uh, uh the Dreyfus affair, uh, which was this, um, I think it was a French, French military officer, um, was, um, I want to say that there was an issue with him. I don't know if he like lost. I'm, uh, it's something with his command. Uh, anyway, so the, a newspaper article is is drafted about this, and where it sort of basically accuses the, the French government, the French military, of anti-Semitism. Um, and so this turns into a whole thing, and that's where you kind of see the development of uh, the Zionist movement. Uh, in that period that's never really brought to any kind of fruition. Like they start to kind of purchase some land from Palestinian groups uh, in the Middle East. And there's you know, somewhat of a uh, legitimate quest to build a state there. And then that kind of falls away for a while. Then you have World War One, and essentially the, 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 the Palestinian groups are promised territory during World War One um, that is is never delivered, right? They kind of unite to help tear apart the Ottoman empire. And then the British sort of, well, we're going to, we're going to take care of this land for you. This is the mandate of Palestine is created the British mandate, um, which was basically the colonization process of that whole region. Uh, Cause that, you know, the British, that's what they do. Um, but then, so of course that land isn't actually returned to the Palestinian people and the British start getting in on, on this kind of, shuffling some of that land to the kind of next wave of Jewish immigrants, um, basically selling off land or forcing the selling off of land, um, you know, from, from Palestinian, you know, essentially farmers uh, to these wealthy Jewish investors coming over and buying up chunks of territory or organizations coming and buying up large chunks of land uh, to basically try and purchase enough land to build a state um, in the region. And then, um, you know, as that starts to gain traction, you're building toward, uh, toward World War II. And as you start to get into that period, and like I said, like Hitler, initially his program was get all of the Jewish people out of, out of any land that we lay any type of claim to. Um, but there's nowhere for them to go. Uh, people didn't 
people didn't want them in their country and uh, a whole ship of, of Jewish refugees essentially was turned away from the United States. Um, and they went to like, I forget, they, they, they went to somewhere in, in South or Central America first and were turned away, went to the United States, returned away, Canada turned away. And they basically got sent back to Europe and some of them ended up in Poland and were executed um, because they were denied Harbor or anywhere else. Um, and, you know, so, the, so of course, that's that's one of my immigration points that I <laughs> that I always hit. Like how, you know, when you're looking at a situation, like how can you say no? You know, you know what's happening and everybody yeah. knew what was happening to some degree. Um, but after World War II does come to a conclusion, the, the mindset then becomes, look, we can you know, never again. We can never let something like this happen again. So we are going to formally establish the state of Israel. And so that's when I think the 46 Israel or 47, maybe Israel is actually created out of that land and basically just take land from everywhere else that we can from all these other people, give it up. It's not yours anymore. This is all now used to form the state of Israel. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely, you know, you look at the, the, the peoples who have been living in that region ever since the, the Nebuchadnezzar conquered uh, Jerusalem. You know they have essentially been the same hereditary groups living there for over a thousand years, and now it's yeah. Sorry, you're out of luck because the Hebrews need a place to go. But it, the same, it's one of those. It's one of those situations where what do you what do you do? Like mm -hmm. you can't say that they don't deserve a place of their own because everybody does, and yeah. this is their ancestral home. But yes, it's it is also your ancestral home at this point. What do you do? And that's where, like, I think the most viable solution I've seen to the conflict, that, which still goes on there, right, uh, was the the idea of a two state solution. Um, yeah. You know, basically, you know, chunk two, two, you know, cut it into, give half to each. Of course, nobody'd be satisfied with that. Uh, the other one I, I saw was just like a multi state solution. So you have one state where half of the government is in the hands of one group and half is in the hands of the other. Uh, to start off with, and you have elections and you do this fairly, a certain amount, at least a minority of one party or the other always has to have some type of veto power and, and kind of seesaw that back and forth. I think that's the one that would actually be the most likely to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it would actually work, right? Giving them each their own country would be the most logical thing, but you can't give everybody the holy lands that they want because right. they're the same place, you know? Um, so unfortunately that... That's probably a, uh, I think, um, uh, if I could dig up the book, I think um, that author, hold on, talk about something, because I know I quoted it in a paper I wrote. <laughs> but he, he ends with a very good sentiment on that. Um, so his conclusion, basically, at the end of this book, he, he draws the conclusion of uh, there was hope for peace. Uh, referring to in, in Israel. Uh, there was hope for peace, uh, but there will be no peace here, not soon. There was hope for quiet, but there will be no quiet here, not in this generation. Hmm. And, I mean, he hasn't been wrong. That yeah. was in 2013 uh, that, that that book was written. But uh, if you're interested, in reputable bookstores near you, My Promise to Land from New York Press by Ari Shah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good way to, to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this Not has, in this generation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been In the Back Room. Uh, I'm Mr. Shank. And I'm Mr. Woods. And the cause of fear is ignorance. All right.
Have a good night. Bye. Bye.